Every lady needs a hobby. A Miss Fisher's Murder Mystery Podcast. I'm Mackenzie. I'm Genevieve. This week, we're reviewing Season 2, Episode 9, Framed for Murder. What did you think of this episode overall, Mackenzie? (laughs) (laughs) This might be my least favorite episode of the whole series, honestly. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of this episode, though I will say on the rewatch, there are some great outfits. There are some good outfits. And I do, I mean, I love the old time movie, like, idea. I think there's a lot of potential there, but there's just... There's like no banter. There's no sexual tension. Yeah, zero. Um, and the love interest is like sort of that's done. I think in a little bit of poor taste. Um, it's also just like totally. It's not even part of the plot. Yeah, which it's it usually is incidental. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it had a lot of potential, and it just doesn't quite achieve it. Um, and yeah, I don't love this one. No, but it's the next one, so we have to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I'd you know, I'd still rather watch this than like a Marvel movie. So oh, I'd still rather watch this than most television. Let's be real. So yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, for sure. It's still way better than most other trash that's on television. <laughs> All right. Um. Well, so the the do, or do wait. Do we have any housekeeping? We have merch. <laughs> Get your merch. Um, we will be at Miss Fisher Con. Um, we'll also tune in for a bonus episode um, where we talk to Jennifer, who's the local planning chair for Miss FisherCon out in San Jose. So stay tuned for that. Um, more details, more info about Miss FisherCon. Yeah, and, and our, our first guest. So. Yeah, first podcast guest. We're pretty excited. Hope you are too. Um, cool. So uh, the cold open of this episode is on a film set. There's some ladies dancing, some faux whipping happening. Um, And then finally, a couple of gladiators throw some spears at a sheet. Unfortunately, there was a person behind the sheet. It's murder! He's dead! (laughs) He's definitely dead. I just feel like um, you'd have to be pretty good at throwing a spear to actually like to get it like into a person like would have to be pretty sharp spear like was it necessary for the spears to be sharp enough to penetrate a person well so i think he was already dead yeah but they were yeah they were still sharp enough to like embed in him and start bleeding wait was he already dead or was he just really drugged well because she okay so lily who the murderer had put him behind the screen on purpose so he was hit by the spear so it looked like an accident and i don't think she would have done that unless he was already dead I think she just thought he was already dead, but he was alive. Because I think if he was already dead, he wouldn't have bled that much, right? Oh, yeah. And I guess when Jack and Franny come to the scene, they say he was drunk, but the spears killed him. Okay. So. Whoops. (laughs) Anyways. Yeah. It also, it is really hard to throw a spear because I have tried, when um, my friend Abby was training for a Spartan race, she had a whole spear throwing thing set up in the yard and it is really difficult and I'm really bad at it. Yeah. I've I've also tried that and it's, it's hard. And like, like in an embarrassingly, like embarrassingly hard if you're trying to do it and you're with someone who can do it and you are just, anyways, these guys were, they, they should probably, you know, try Spartan race. I guess so. Well, they're, are they playing Spartans? Maybe. I couldn't tr- keep track of what the plot of this movie yeah, was. Yeah, it was a bit muddled, wasn't it? And they're just swapping actors in and out. Anyway. Good old fashioned <laughs> historical epic, I guess. Okay. Well, so as it's a murder, Miss um, Fisher is called to the scene by her friend Raymond Hirsch, the producer of the film. And whiniest man on the planet. Very whiny man, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does not deserve his assistant. Um, so I guess they're childhood friends, and Miss Fisher's one of the leading investors in the film. Um, and then there's a little bit of stress between Jack and Miss Fisher, it seems like. Or I, I have noted there's still a bit of stress. So yeah. maybe that's what they're trying to do with this episode is ease them back into being buddies after the whole, you I know. Yes, but it's sort of just like last episode at the end, they like really kind of set up that like, you know, we're going to be waltzing, you know. And then this episode, just like nothing. Yeah, it wasn't even a dance. It wasn't even a dance. Oh. Anyways, but yeah, Jack shows up. Um, also, so the, I did do a bit of research for this episode. When Franny and Raymond are first talking and he's, they're sort of laying the groundwork of what this, what this movie is. It's the Bride of Babylon. It's not a talkie. Um, it's free from idle chatter. And he says, it's not the jazz singer. So I looked up the jazz singer. Okay. Which was the first feature length motion picture, um, with not only a synchronized recorded music score, but also lip synced singing and speech in several isolated sequences. So it, 
I don't think it was really a talking movie like we think of now, but there was, like, audio. There was sound. Okay. Yeah, that went along with it. Well, I was confused because it did seem like they were recording audio. So I I was just confused by that. Because they decided to make it a talking feature. Oh, they did? Yeah, that was, like, kind of the end result. Oh, okay. Was that Raymond realized that, you know, he needed to get with the times, and that's why Jack is, like, recording. Right, right. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um... So it turns out that the leading man is the one who was killed, is Donald Everton. Um, and it appears that he was passed out drunk and dragged into place to get speared. Conveniently, through some sort of trail of sawdust, <laughs> leaving just a clear outline of the fact that the chair was dragged into place. Which, which, like, okay, you're dragging a body. You think the guy's dead. You're dragging him into a spot where the murder is going to look like an accident. Don't you think you would, like, sweep the floor? Like, it was so obvious. Yeah. And, like, obviously she hadn't been watching any, like, CSI because she would have known they would have done the toxicology report. I mean, <laughs> just, it's just sloppy. It's okay. sloppy. You're saying that she should have been watching a show and they they just had, just, like, last year released a movie with some lip syncing in it. Now I'm picturing a silent version of CSI <laughs> Miami. And everyone's just, like, walking around really fast and they're, like, examining the, getting the, getting the needle and getting the blood and it's taking it to the lab and I don't know. <laughs> that would be fantastic yeah with a little like doo, 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 yeah exactly like, <laughs> oh right. no it looks like it was the next door neighbor <laughs> all right anyway um, <laughs> so we also learned that the leading man donald was a little past his prime yeah and this is also where we learned that raymond is the whiniest person ever. yeah he claims he was out to dinner with his house guest though you know jack obviously has him on his suspect list Oh, yeah. And we also learned that he's, like, mortgaged to the hilt and has everything riding on this film, so. Smart move. Smart guy. <laughs> but that scene, it's a little later on, but where he's like, I would never commit murder, Franny, tell him. Like, the actor delivers the line really well, but it's like, it just encapsulates this guy's character. Like, Franny, tell him. Oh, I'm not a murderer. Murderers don't wear bow ties. <laughs> Um, so then Jack informs the cast and crew that there's been a murder, um, and Claire, Hirsch's assistant with a photographic memory and a lovely blouse, I'd like to note. Oh yeah, she's great, great blouses. Yeah. And dresses throughout. Um, she says she last saw the victim last night at 8.17 p.m. She's taking script pages to his dressing room. Yes. Um, so Hirsch lets Miss Fisher into Donald's dressing room to investigate, uh, clues! Clues, clues, clues. There's an empty glass, no bottle. Also, she she's like, um, Raymond's like, are you going to be snooping around or something? She's like, ladies never snoop. <laughs> but <laughs> it is literally her job. Ladies so. only skulk. Yeah. <laughs> no, no skulking either. She's just, you know, strolling around. Indeed. Um, so once again, Hugh is digging uh, through the trash out back. <laughs> <laughs> Yet another... Seen in the glorious life of the constable. <laughs> yep. Um, and once again, he does not want Dot's help for this manly job, but <laughs> she finds something anyway. A bunch of film magazines and the bottle and another glass with purple lipstick on it. So she literally finds all of the clues. And yeah. Hugh does not find it. He just them. sort of bumbles yeah. about and asks about, um, you know, movie stars and stuff. Um, so Dot recognizes the lipstick as Luscious Plume, the favorite color of film star Lily Lascombe. Um, absurd dot skill of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Just knowing. Like, I don't, I mean, I'm not like a makeup person, but like, would you know a famous person's lipstick shade? No, I Even don't. Even if it was someone you were really into? I don't think so. I mean, also, like, maybe you would know. Because, like, I've definitely, like, seen in a TV show somebody wearing lipstick that I really liked and then been like, what color is that? And Googled it and, and like, they maybe... You they, have? Yeah. Um, okay. Maybe okay. it was an episode of Girls. Anyway, um, she tweeted... <laughs> a lot of people were asking, so she tweeted what it was. Got and it. I bought okay. it and it's one of my favorites. Oh, so you have done this. Yeah. Okay. But I wouldn't be able to see that color on a glass and be like, oh, that's MAC, red number whatever. Like... But it was a really distinctive, like, purpley shade. Yeah. But you know what? <laughs> this reminds me of the fact that I wear lipstick almost every day. I wear it to work. And I have a lot of different shades that I wear. And um, I mentioned something alluding to the fact that I wear different colors. And my coworker was like, but you always wear red. 
And I was like, no, I don't. I wear a lot of different colors. And they, like the rest of them were like, what? And then I was like, I, you know, I sometimes wear purple. Like it's, it's not even red. And they were all just like, huh. Like they hadn't noticed. I like match it to my outfit. And they, it was just totally right over their heads. Well, that you do work with a bunch of men, right? Yeah. One guy was like, oh yeah, you do wear the purple sometimes. <laughs> He's gay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, well, what, I mean, what does Miss Fisher say? A woman should dress first and foremost for her own pleasure. Yeah, yeah. If it's not for, you know, <laughs> it's definitely not for the men. Yep. <clears throat> well, but Dot, I guess, would be more likely to recognize yes. this color. Um, so Lily, when confronted with this information, claims they were just rehearsing because Donald is a bad actor and she wanted to make sure that, you know, his poor performance wouldn't damage her reputation. Um, yeah. She also doesn't deny that he likes to cop a feel. Gross. Yeah, she calls him an octopus. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Sexual harassment. It's been happening for hundreds of years. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, and then Hirsch confirms that, yeah, Donald wasn't doing so hot at the action scenes, um, and he had been fighting with the director. <laughs> um, so then Jack and Franny confront the director, who seems like a pretty big prick. Yeah, Thackeray. Um, and his alibi is slipping off for some sly grog. Literally, Jack calls it sly grog. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I have in my notes that Jack is looking particularly sexy in this scene. Oh, I missed that. He's just like, I don't know. It was do- and Maybe it was just because I was like not that into this episode that I was just like, Jack, show me more. <laughs> <laughs> um, he also like ribs Franny about investing in the film because... He seems a little interested in that and says it's not what he would have, like, pegged her as. He would have thought she's a smarter investor. Oh, yeah. And she's like, yeah, well, I am most of the time, but I have to invest in an occasional folly. (laughs) What else has she invested in? Like, that garage, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think in the show we mostly see her, like, folly investments. Yeah. (laughs) Probably not the sensible ones. What's the use of making a TV show about a fancy lady about town if she's not investing in all kinds of weird stuff where people get murdered? It's like it's not like oh, and these commodities that I'm investing in. Yeah, like oh no, my brokerage account. There's <laughs> been a murder at Vanguard. <laughs> yeah, it's just not as exciting somehow. Off to the fidelity offices to check on my stocks. Oh no, <laughs> a murder. <laughs> it's like half the show is her like meeting with her accountant. <laughs> Anyways, that would um, be a crappy show. Yeah. Um. So. Okay, so yeah, we learned that Thackeray was getting some sly grog. And he, we also learned that Raymond was threatening to fire Donald, the lead. Yeah, so he needs a better alibi. Um, and Jack and Franny go off to visit his house guest to verify this alibi, um, who turns out to be an annoying American guy in some kind of like weird dressing gown, but he's wearing <laughs> something strange by the pool. He also has that like exaggerated American accent that people, like non-American actors do. Oh, but yeah. I just love it. It's, like, very nasally. Like. Yeah. Is that what you think we sound like? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> There's this, my family on vacation once, we listened to an Agatha Christie book, like, on tape. Um, it probably was literally on cassette tape. And there was an American character, and he said this line, we always say to each other, he's like, pay the bill, Hector. And, like, in this just really exaggerated American accent, because the guy <laughs> reading the book was British. Like, pay the bill, Hector. Hector. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so anyway, this guy turns out to be Jefferson Clark. He works for an American movie studio. Um, and then there's like sort of this scene where he's ostentatiously talking on the phone about how he has to babysit some actor. <laughs> an obvious plant. Yeah. <laughs> what? He also, his, his alibi is that they went out to dinner and had a soiree and the maid will confirm the soiree. The maid. Ugh. And he says, he acts kind of like leering towards the maid, which I don't like. Yeah, not my favorite either. Uh, So then back at the house, Dot is scouring the old movie magazines. (laughs) Oh, wait, sorry, 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 sorry. The other piece, key piece of information that we learned in this scene is that Jefferson is staying with Raymond because he's trying to pressure him to sign a contract to, um, with Pegasus so that, um, like his movie theaters, because it seems like Raymond also owns movie theaters, so that they'll wire his theaters to play movies with talking in them. Um, and if he signs with the studio, he'll like get first dibs on American films and they'll also invest in his movie. 
Right. So this is a key, this is sort of part of the, the kind of boring plot. But Yeah. And, you know, I thought this was interesting that, like, because then later it turns out the contract was, ended up stipulating that he only play these, like, yeah. American films, which obviously you would read that, so. Yeah, but he's, a, he, Raymond he's seems a little, and he was, like, all stressed out about it, and he seemed like he, he was resisting reading it and, like, wanted Franny to read it for him. And I'm like, oh my goodness, oh how is God. this guy successful in business another, at all? Another mediocre man rewarded for his mediocrity. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing is I was curious if this is something the kind of thing that actually happened like it seems mm -hmm. like they were alluding to real events like I wonder if that is is something real that happened like the Australian yeah. film industry was affected by like Hollywood probably doing making bad deals like this yeah I meant to research it and I didn't <laughs> <laughs> Um, so then back at the house, Dot is scouring the old movie magazine she found in the trash. Um, and I think she pretends that she is doing it for... For her nephew. Yeah, which is ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if her nephew knows what shade of lipstick Lily Lascombe wears. Oh, undoubtedly. <laughs> um, and Miss Fisher has to get ready for a fancy dinner with her Hollywood friends. Um, yes. Also... Dot finds a an article about Mr. Palmer, Vernon Palmer Jr., the, the up-and-coming star that uh, Jefferson is babysitting. Mm-hmm. And Phryne, like, they were thinking, well, maybe this new, this American actor, like, murdered Donald for the lead in the, the, the movie. And Phryne's like, that makes no sense. This guy is actually famous. Yeah, he's already so. famous. Um, so Vernon comes to dinner, uh, along with a bunch of other people from the movie, uh, Lily is wearing a very beautiful lilac oh, dress. Yeah. Very beautiful. I mean, I'm just a sucker for any time there's like a bias cut silk gown. Oh yeah, it's it's very elegant. Yeah. Um, so like a lot of little scenes happen in, in during this party. Um, so Lily, for example, switches the place card so that mm -hmm. she can sit next to Vernon Palmer. Um, Clara, it becomes obvious, is in love with um, Raymond. Raymond. Um, and we also find out that she's been wearing Lily's lipstick because she kisses the the headshot so that Claire so that Lily doesn't have to do it yes um and then finally Bert ends up getting hired to drive Vernon around and keep track of him yes <laughs> which he seems a little cranky about but also like that's your job Bert so it's also funny that they never get Cess to do these things <laughs> I know it's because I get the feeling and this is not this is just like the impression I get that that Cess has like other like he maybe has other jobs that he does and like I think him and Alice like are farmer like they think about getting a farm so i always get the feeling that he has other enterprises on and bert's just a little more available but yeah. i could be wrong it also it's probably just funnier yes it's also <laughs> funnier <laughs> um we also learned that um raymond has taken another loan against his house so that he can afford to hire vernon for the movie so he's really just going all in on this Imagine, Babylon imagine taking out a second mortgage on your house so you can hire someone who turns out to be a fake like did you not look in any of the magazine photos and just verify that this guy is definitely not the actor? I know, yeah. Nope. Well, again, Raymond doesn't seem that bright. Yeah. Also, just, I mean, the whole idea seems, of course, we live in the internet age, so this could never happen. No, but, no. But I feel like even in the 1920s, you couldn't get away with this forever. Like, literally putting your face on screen <laughs> and in a movie which will be distributed widely. Right, right. And people will go and see it, and you're claiming that you're a famous movie star, and it's not you? I mean... I think maybe he was hoping, like, he would do well... And then people would figure out that he wasn't Vernon Palmer Jr. But then they'd be like, yeah, but you're still great. Instead of like mad at him for impersonating someone. Yeah, I think you're right. But again, not a great plan. Yeah, it's it's a little harebrained. But anyway, um, so Jack and Hugh then show up at the party. And Hugh acts like a total fanboy wanting to meet Vernon Palmer Jr. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jack's like, we're here on police business. Yeah. <laughs> All business. We're not we here just, for fancy parties. But we did just happen to show up during this fancy party. Could we have telephoned? No. <laughs> Could we have come in the morning? No. Meanwhile, are there any hors d'oeuvres available? Yeah, they definitely came because the party was going on. <laughs> <laughs> Bring me a cocktail. I'm thirsty. Um, we also learn, key plot point, that Hugh is excited to meet Vernon Palmer Jr. because he likes his stunts in the westerns. Mm. But he has told Dot, I think, that he doesn't do the stunt, that he just kisses the girls. So, hmm. Is it a clue? <laughs> Anyways, it's a clue. It is a clue. Um, also, Jack has come to bring reports of poison. So this is where <gasps> the toxicology reports are back. Donald was drugged. Poison. Um, and then I think 
Raymond says, like, Donald was losing his touch, yes, um, but the bank would only invest if Donald was the mm-hmm. star. So that put Raymond in a bad spot. Um, but Clara, so I think Clara knew about the drugging. Mm-hmm. Um, and Miss Fisher confronts her, and she admits that she was, in fact, in the room with Donald that night. Um, and then when she thinks that Raymond is under suspicion for the murder, she immediately confesses that she was the one who did it. Um, but she's definitely lying. So it's oh, yeah. obvious that she's lying. And Friday's like, oh, you did kill him, did you? What? How? How did you do it? And then she like says, because she like knows exactly where the bottle is. And Friday still is not convinced. Yeah. Um, so then they like run off to the theater where Clara shows Franny where the pills are hidden. Um, and it turns out it's phenobarbital. <laughs> um, and of course, hot on their heels, Jack, Hugh, Raymond, and the house, house guests show up. Um, and this, I think this scene is just like, like such a great illustration of what a whiny little baby Raymond is. <laughs> It's like, he, okay, first of all, how has he not noticed that his assistant is completely in love with him? And then she confesses to the murder and he's just like, well, she confessed. <laughs> and Franny's like, you idiot. Like, <laughs> also, yeah, like Clara could do way better. She seems highly competent, like photographic memory. Like she could go places. And instead she's like, oh, Raymond. Uh. It actually seems like a bit of a plot hole that she wouldn't have read the contract as his assistant. She would have read the contract, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, we also, Franny remembers Clara pointing to a specific coffee when she brings coffee to the director earlier. Um, so she figures out from this memory that Raymond has has been drugging the director to keep him, you know, like, calm. Oh my god. <laughs> like, cool. Cool <laughs> boss. You know, like, having your assistant drug, give you small doses of barbiturates. <laughs> oh my god. Can you imagine doing, like, imagine doing that to one of your coworkers. No! Like, they're just getting on your nerves a lot, and you really just need to get the project done, so you start slipping them pills. That's, like, you would probably go to jail for Definitely. that. Definitely. Like, that's really dangerous. It's really bad. Like, they might have an allergy to it. Yeah. I mean, it's probably addictive, too. Yeah! Terrible. Oh, And they wouldn't know they were on drugs, so they might mix it with other things. Uh, yeah. They might drive a car. Well, yeah, we know the director was going and getting sly grog after hours. That guy's probably just so messed up, and he didn't even know it. That's, well, how he ends up stabbing himself with a real <gasps> knife, I guess. Well, I feel like he might have done that regardless. Maybe. <laughs> um... So then Hirsch or Raymond is distraught over his failing film, but uh, Clark tries to cheer him up or to butter him up by saying that Pegasus Studios will fund the film. Um, and Miss Fisher, oh, right. This is where Miss Fisher asks to see the contract, but um, Clark is just not going for it. He like well, puts her off. But yeah, Raymond goes to bed and Jefferson's like, oh, well, that would be rude to go look at the contract without Raymond. And I just, I'm like, oh, this fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> but also like, I mean... It, it's kind of rare that someone distrusts Miss Fisher that much and, like, sees through her, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, yeah, but this guy, I don't know, maybe he's just used to, like, American ladies. I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> um, but we also learned, like, Raymond didn't know that Vernon Palmer Jr. was in the country, but Jefferson did, so. Yes, yes. Um, okay, so then the next day on the set, uh, Miss Fisher has done some some inquiring and discovered that Clark has been lying about his title mm-hmm. and he's actually not a very important person at Pegasus Studios. Um, and he's like, whatever, I'm just, just promoting myself. It's fine. And you're kind of like, well, yeah, I guess that people do that all the time, so. <laughs> yeah, that I was like, okay, well, I mean, I wouldn't do it, but good for you, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it either, but I'm not surprised that you, a man, have done that. <laughs> Um, and then we get a little scene where Miss Fisher is distracted by the shirtless actor. He, like, brings over chairs and Franny's like, oh, thank you. Yeah. And I'm just like, ah, okay. This is, like, the only line he has, too. Does he say, he says something in this scene? I yeah. Think. I think he is, says something about bringing them chairs, but that's yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway, not my favorite. Uh, so then Vernon and Lily film a scene where she pretends to stab him, um, and... Then they take like a quick break. Miss um, Fisher sneaks off and witnesses Clark and Vernon having a secretive talk and exchanging an envelope. Um, meanwhile, Clara is showing Dot some props, a prop knife, which looks so real. Um, <laughs> Hugh shows up and does further fanboying about <laughs> Vernon. Um, oh, and this is where she tells him about the stunts that he doesn't do his own stunts right yeah he's just there to kiss the girls and he was really sad about this <laughs> as, like as if he he thought that this very handsome actor was also doing anyways whatever yeah well turns out um so then someone cuts the power very suspicious 
And I mean, are we all thinking to ourselves, has someone switched the knives while the lights were off? Could it be? Like, how unexpected would that <laughs> twist be? <laughs> um, Although this was the 1920s, so I feel like the lights going out probably wasn't that like uncommon of an occurrence. Yeah, you're probably right. But I mean, check the knives. This is a murder mystery, for Christ's sake. Yeah, they, I don't think they knew they were in a murder mystery. I think they did. <laughs> also, this is a side note, but I'm reading this Miss Marple short stories book right now. And the whole setup for the short stories is they're all just like sitting around at a like social event. And they each decide to like tell a story and see if the other people can figure it out. Like something that happened to them that they know. And like every person has been involved with a murder and I'm just like if I was in that situation like the biggest mystery that I would have to get other people to solve would be like who you know who moved the desk chair from one chair one desk to another like I just like I don't have have, like just a set of like mysteries that I could just pull out and like tell yeah I've never ever been involved in a murder no I I have no mysteries no the greatest mystery I'm ever trying to solve is like, why did so-and-so get fired? Or, right, like, yeah, like, <laughs> or like, who finished my cheese? And it's always Dan. So there's no mystery there. Anyways, the point is, maybe you have been involved in a murder mystery. You just didn't know it. I'm trying to think really hard if I know of anyone who was murdered. No, I don't. No. No. And yet, Miss Fisher, one of her friends gets murdered. Someone, someone connected to her get murders, gets murdered like every week. Yeah. Anyways. Um, <laughs> so um, the lights come back on. Um, we're rolling again. They, just, they start to film the scene a second time, but the director steps in to help them block it and um, shows Lily how to stab him in the heart and um, then, you know, ends up getting stabbed with what turns out to be the real knife. <gasps> it's murder! Which, don't you think, do you think you'd notice in time to stop, like, that it wasn't the, the fake knife? Yeah, I mean, he's holding it. with He's yeah. pushing I think you would stop pushing a knife into your own heart. Yeah, like you'd be like, oh, that's like breaking the skin. I better stop. Yeah. Also, like furthermore, that that was the real knife that was used for like close-ups or whatever. Would it need to be sharp enough to actually <laughs> penetrate this man's chest? No! I don't think so. No! I don't think so. No. <laughs> I think it would have gotten stopped on his vest, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, if, anyways, whatever. He's dead. He's just dead. Instantly, of course. Yeah. I think I think it would take a little bit longer to die. Oh, yeah. He'd probably, like, start bleeding out. He'd be, like, coughing up blood. Yeah. But he just sort of leans over, leans his ear sort of six <laughs> inches away from his mouth, and then shakes his head. No. He's, he's dead. dead. <laughs> <laughs> I have again in my notes, let the bodies hit the floor. Oh, my God. <laughs> the corpses are piling up. Uh, <laughs> Um, so Clara is immediately brought in for questioning due to her photographic memory. She saw no one suspicious near the props. Um, and, uh, we asked ourselves, who would want to kill two leading men? A man who has insurance out on the film. <laughs> so then they go talk to whiny, whiny Raymond about oh, his insurance policy. He's like, Friday, tell him. <laughs> oh. He's like, I'm sick. Yeah, it's really annoying. So annoying. But he's also like, he's, he says like the insurance would, you know, wouldn't cover very much so he doesn't have a real motivation to do that which actually seems totally reasonable to me like I don't think that that kind of insurance actually results in a huge payout you know well no but he basically says it would barely cover costs so Jack's like yeah okay well you know the movie's probably not gonna like at this point it's done so you might as well like recoup your losses at least I guess so yeah that's true (laughs) he does act quite hysterical (laughs) but then he also lets (laughs) agrees to let Friday be the direct the new director oh yeah and sees through her lie about knowing how to operate a camera (laughs) so cue a late night camera investigative session at the studio where surprise there's an intruder (laughs) also not a surprise friday is armed (laughs) yeah but she doesn't have the beret on so she clearly didn't plan for there to be a break-in situation She's wearing a very, another elaborate hat. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she does, uh, she pulls a gun on him and it turns out to just be Clark in Hirsch's office where he claims he's calling the California time zone, which like, I don't know, pretty flimsy, but. That's... Also, couldn't he have done that at Raymond's house? Yeah. Is Raymond supposed to not have a telephone? He does have a phone. We saw Jackson 
or Jefferson take a call on it earlier. You're right. It's totally ridiculous. But no. we never find out what he's up to in this scene. Do you, I mean, what do you think he was doing? I think he was maybe going... What was he doing? Probably just... Because he's trying to sabotage the film at this point. Yeah, maybe he was planning to, like, hide some props and, I don't know, yeah. snip some wires. Or maybe he really was just calling California. But I don't think so. Anyways... What? So meanwhile, Bert has driven Vernon to the Grand Hotel where he's supposedly staying, and he continues to be very cranky about this job. But then Vernon doesn't go into the hotel and, like, wanders off into the night. So, very suspicious. I like where he's, like, going walkabout, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Is that something that Australians really say? Probably. <laughs> Anyways, it's hilarious. Uh, Bert being cranky, but also doing his job. Yeah. Um, so then the next morning, Franny arrives at the studio in her director garb. Um, she has her the favorite boots that she also wears flying, but they have like all the straps on them. Oh yeah, the knee-high boots. Her serious boots. She really knows how to dress the part. Oh yeah. She's like, oh, there's an opportunity to go undercover? Is there? Is there an outfit needed? <laughs> Like, you know that saying that's like, that quote that's like, beware endeavors that require new clothes or something? And Franny's like, that's her favorite kind. (laughs) It's like, oh, do I get to wear a new, like, sort of funny outfit? (laughs) Sign me up. Anyways, (laughs) she has... Obviously had on hand the perfect movie director outfit. Um... And this is where Bert comes and, and reports back that he followed Vernon after he did his little walkabout and he went to a flop house instead of his fancy hotel. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so then Friday is just like all business. She's just like having a productive day on set. She gets this report from Bert. She takes the scripts from Clara to go take to Vernon, um, informs Raymond that Clara is in love with him and then goes snooping. So she's just like, you know those mornings when you get to the office and you're just like, boom, 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 boom. Like get thing, one thing done after another and like it's 11 o'clock and you've already done your to-do list. Yeah, and people are like, did you do the thing? And you're like, it's finished. Yeah, she's yeah. having that kind of day. Anyways. I mean, she is having that kind of life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> Um, so she goes snooping in Vernon's dressing room, leaves Dot to stand guard and tells her to whistle if Vernon approaches, which more on that later. (laughs) So she goes into the dressing room, continues a really productive day by finding a bunch of clues. She finds a tin of shoe polish with a hair in it. A clue! (laughs) Also, she finds the envelope that she saw Jefferson give Vernon Palmer Jr. It's empty, but don't worry. She finds in the trash can a torn up check. Another clue. Oh my gosh. Um, so Vernon is approaching, Dot tries to whistle, despite having many talents, whistling is not one of them. <laughs> Why didn't she tell Miss Fisher that she can't whistle? I don't whistle? know! I can't whistle. Um, but she's very resourceful. She asks Vernon for his autograph and stalls him enough, giving Miss Fisher enough time to put the, the check in her hat and put it on her head. Oh, and how long do you think she kept the hat on her head? Oh, all day. Like, imagine if she forgot and took it off and there was <laughs> just all like, this... like paper, like scraps just... of paper. Rob must be home. <laughs> um, all right. So, um, Dot is stalling. Miss Fisher puts the check in her hat and then he comes in and he, she like adjusts his hair, confirms the shoe polishes in the hair and asks him how his stay at the Grand was. Oh, so she's just on a roll. Really, she killing is. Killing it. But also, like, why would you really, was shoe polish the best available hair dye? Like, was, could he not have gotten something else? It probably was. I mean, it's like readily available. It's something that it would make sense for him to have, even if he wasn't using it to dye his hair, you know? Yeah, but it would just rub off on everything. Yeah. And would smell strongly. I think people used to do that, though. Like, again, Nagatha Christie, Hercule Perot uses hair polish to, like, blacken his hair when he starts going gray. Really? (laughs) Yeah, it's like. I don't know. Maybe I, I think should it's be like doing a that. thing that people did back then. I guess so. Anyways. <laughs> um, so then Raymond uh, introduces Miss Fisher as the new director, and she has catered breakfast for everyone. Yeah. So, best <laughs> boss ever. I think we all know how we feel when there's catered food. <laughs> I think we all know how we feel when there's catered food at the office. So, oh, yeah. She's really winning everyone over. And I, I will note that Bert and Sess are first to the table and go right for the champagne. Yeah. I mean, I really feel, I, I feel personally called out by that, actually, because oh, yeah. that's usually me at work. I'm, someone's like, there's treats, and I like shoot up out of my chair. <laughs> so, I'm always the first to the treats. Yeah. Well, that's how it is when there's food at work. <laughs> um,. So then Raymond informs Friday that the actors playing the palace guards have walked out. <laughs> so cute <laughs> another fun job for Bert and Seth with a funny costume. Um, they also get to wear eye makeup, yeah, which looks really funny. They definitely have eyeliner on. <laughs> and 
terrible. <laughs> They're terrible actors. And why are they so bad? I don't know. I don't know. understand. Like, not their strength. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we get Vernon starts whining about how his character wouldn't sneak past the guards, even though he's literally just been stabbed. Yeah. <laughs> Friday rolls with it because she. I think she's already suspicious that he's a stunt double for Vernon Palmer Jr. Um, so he requests a rope and she's like, sure, we'll get a rope. Anyways. Yeah. Seems like a lot to just totally redo that whole scene, but whatever. It serves the plot. It yeah. serves the plot. Also, like, he's already just shown to be, like, really confident he's impersonating a, a wildly famous actor um what a move and yeah he's already made a series of moves that, that but know. he did have to stop being a stunt double because he was injured so like why is he now wanting to do stunts like well maybe I, yeah. maybe the rope doesn't require the use of his leg or something yeah that is interesting or maybe it's the kind of thing where he got like kicked off and now he's better yeah maybe and they just like were done with him because they needed someone sooner so they sent him home yeah mm. um so then back at the ranch, Phryne, um is musing about the boot polish hair dye and why he's doing that. Well, Dot reassembles the check. Um, <laughs> another scene of Dot, like, gluing something back together. Classic Dot. <laughs> um, and then also, once again, mentions that Vernon doesn't do his own stunts. So why is he wanting to do stunts? Um, also, the check is for someone named Jamie Allen. They look back in the article about Vernon in the magazines that Dot pulled out of the trash, and Jamie Allen is a stand-in for Vernon Palmer Jr. Case closed. Case closed. Not really. It's a big swap. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then Mr. Butler comes in and says that Raymond is on the phone, and he's distressed. What a shocking turn of events. Have we seen him at any point not distressed? (laughs) He's always distressed. (laughs) Why? He's he's in trouble, and he needs Friday, and he's whining on the phone. What? I signed a contract without reading it, and now I don't like what it says in the contract? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah at his house he he read the contract that he already signed and he can't air his own film he's ruined Ugh. um and then this is the part that i wish i'd done some research to find out if this is something that actually happened because it does seem like the sort of thing that hollywood would do but i don't know yeah i mean all the theaters are signing this this must be like kind of what was going on when talking films were kind of coming into vogue. Yeah. Um, so Phryne thinks that Jefferson and Vernon were in on it together because they basically set Raymond up to sign the contract because he kind of signed the contract under duress to get Ver- quote-unquote Vernon Palmer Jr. to be in his movie because he needed the money. Yeah, ruin the movie so he needs the yep. money. So they bring Jamie in for some questioning. Um, and he, you know, basically tells them the story about how he busted his leg, had to come home, Um, met Jefferson on the boat to Australia and Jefferson, Jefferson just had a lot of irons in the fire. This guy was like, he was, he was wheeling and dealing right and left and calling himself a VP. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) he offers him an acting job. Um, but then, so he, cause he he was already like planning to sabotage the film, I think. So he's like, Hey, I can get you in on this, this movie that's happening. Um, but then once he's in, he's like, you're doing too good of a job and trying to pay him off to leave the set. So he was kind of trying to get Raymond to sign the contract, but then get Vernon to to leave so that the movie was ruined and yeah again i'm not really sure why he had to do that if he had already gotten raymond to sign the contract where he couldn't hear his own film but maybe he just didn't actually want the studio to have to invest in raymond's film yeah maybe so um jamie refused to be paid off though because he actually wanted to be an actor um and then gordon was stabbed with a knife that was intended for jamie um, and he also says that when the fuse is blue, Jefferson wasn't with him. So he doesn't know. He can't s- confirm or deny that Jefferson was the one that blew the fuse. Yeah. So then they bring Clara in to ask her what happened directly before and after the lights went out. So she saw Dot, Jefferson, and Lily heading back to makeup, carrying a glass of water. Hmm. And then when the lights came back on, the glass was empty. Maybe she was just really thirsty. She just chugged it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, more likely she shorted the fuses with a glass of water. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so then during that time, Jefferson would have had time to get to the props table and, um, they assume that they are in it together. Okay. So then Jack, Jack, they, they split up, they split up to confront them. Jack heads to Raymond's, Friday goes to the studio. At the studio, she overhears hears Lily yelling at Jefferson. Um, and she's so ridiculous. <laughs> she has somehow, I don't know how she managed this. See, because she's like sort of this like, like willowy lady. 
actress and he's like you know not like a big guy but like I don't know how she chained him up and wrapped him in film. That's all I'm saying. Also, like, where'd she get all this film? I don't know. And just, there was so much of it. So, <laughs> so much, much of it. And I mean, like, is that the actual film that the movie has been recorded <laughs> onto? Or is that just, like, un unused film? I hope it's unused film, because, like... I think they do release the movie, so... <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be ruined. Anyways. Ugh, <laughs> man. Um, so she's yelling at him and, like, threatening to light the film on fire. Um, says that he promised her... He'd take, he'd take her to Hollywood if she'd sabotage the film. So again, he had a lot of irons in the fire. So he was also getting Lily to sabotage the film. He was just lying to everyone, as it turns yeah, out. Yeah. Um, so he gave her tablets to give to Donald. Um, but she claims that she didn't know he was going to drink that much. So she kind of accidentally gave him way too much. Thought he was dead. <laughs> put him behind the screen so it looked like an accident. And then Jefferson is like, oh, who, me? I had nothing to do with this. This was just Lily going crazy. Ugh. And it's like, no, you like were actively trying to sabotage this movie at every turn. This is this is my favorite <laughs> part where Miss Fisher is like, you really are yeah. obnoxious. And it's like. I just, yeah, haven't we all dreamed of saying that to someone like yeah, this? you really are obnoxious, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, and then Jefferson's like, oh, I was only supposed to slow, or I only wanted you to slow down filming. But she switched the knife to kill Vernon because she was jealous. So she thought, like, Jefferson was... Was trying gonna, to promote Vernon yeah. instead of her. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Janie. Or, yeah, I don't Jamie know if she Vernon. Knew it. Yeah, that yeah. guy. Um, so then Hugh flips on the lights. It gets all very dramatic. Hugh flips the lights. Jack tackles Lily, but as she gets tackled, she, her lighter flies up into the air and lights the film on fire. So then we get this great shot of Friday like shooting at the film ahead of the advancing flames. And it takes her like three tries. Yeah, and then she has to shoot a sandbag that extinguishes the the flame. It's ridiculous. And then she sort of like blows on the the um, barrel of her pistol. Yeah, the end, which is there's no smoke coming out. There's of it. There's no smoke, but it's, <laughs> it's very dramatic. But I, that's a real thing, right? That that kind of film used to be really flammable. Yeah, and yeah, weren't, yeah. Like weren't like some films destroyed because they just spontaneously yeah. <laughs> combusted? Yeah, I think that is. I mean, I wouldn't say anything about the scene is accurate except the fact that film is very flammable. Yeah. Um, I mean, sorry, not accurate, realistic. Yeah. <laughs> I know that this is not an, an actual um, series of events in any way. No. It's twist. Every episode is actually based on real events. <laughs> True story. <laughs> um, Even the ancient Egypt shit. <laughs> <laughs> so then Phryne shows Raymond that Jefferson never sent in the paperwork. So he's off the hook for the contract. Phew! <laughs> So then she has this very neat, tidy solution that Jamie Allen and Clara can star in the film. And it's going to be an all-talking film. And then they shake on it and everyone's happy. But you know what doesn't make sense about this is that presumably they're not getting the money from Pegasus because the contracts were never sent in. And they've already wasted a ton of time and, and probably have to re-record every scene with the new actors. So, like, <laughs> how can they afford to make the film? I mean, Friday must just be bankrolling all of it. But that seems insane. Yeah. Even for someone with, like, money like her. Anyways. Yeah. I don't know. She's very invested in Australian film, so. Um, then back at the ranch, Friday is engaged in what I'll call antics with the <laughs> uh, muscly actor man who is chained to her bed. It's, there's a, there's a butt grab. It's just a lot. It, yeah. I, I, it's weird. I don't love it. Well, I think it's not very tastefully done because it just, like, the fact that he, there's no character development given to him whatsoever. He doesn't speak. He's not named. And he's only ever shown, like, scantily clad. And then also is, like, a black man. I think it's kind of just not, like, it's it's not. Yeah. It's in, it's in poor taste, basically. Yes, it is. He's it just, is. like, this, like, sexualized, yes. like, nameless person. Which is, like, it's too bad because they don't, they usually don't do that. Yeah, it's weird that it's they like, do. Yeah, yeah, they don't really usually do that with, like, Franny's romantic interests. But yeah, he's just, like, he exists to be, like, a sexual object, basically. And it's a very poor taste. Yeah, so that's not my favorite. Yeah. Again, as we said at the beginning, don't love this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so anyways, Mr. Butler informs her that Mr. Hirsch has arrived with the machinery. And she says, this is kind of, it's, she's like, I thought that was tomorrow. <laughs> and he's like, I'm afraid today is tomorrow, miss. <laughs> but also, like, this 
this is the second time that Jack has shown up at her house when she has like another man there. So how does he like, how does she get away with this? Does the dude just like stay in the bedroom? I mean, or he must leave through the back. I don't know. But she just like gets dressed and she's like, hello. Like, <laughs> prances downstairs. You're like, all right, well. Okay. Um, I mean, she sounded pretty hungover when Mr. Butler knocked on the door, but yeah. she, she really rallies. <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> anyways um so raymond has the film set up and jack's there um and he's going to speak the lines for princess because they were terrible <laughs> and he does it in a really deep voice. yes halt um, who goes there <laughs> um and then it's time for a cocktail because it's always time for a cocktail in his fisher's house although presumably it's like 11 a.m but anyway <laughs> it's always you know it's always cocktail hour at, at the ranch um and then they talk, Jack and Franny talk about their boyhood dreams. Um, Jack's is to ride the Tour de France, which I think is funny because Nathan Page a, is a cyclist. I, I think they probably did that on yeah. purpose. It was like a cute little nod thought, to the yeah. fact that he like had to abandon his cyclist dreams because I think he was injured. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then he asked her what her girlhood dreams were and she says, I'm living them, Inspector. Great answer. I love it. Yeah. Oh, murder recap. <laughs> I just, okay. I'll go through it really fast. All right. All right. Raymond Hirsch, whiny movie producer, making a historical epic silent film. American movie studios are coming into Australia to get their movies wired for sound. Enter Jefferson Clark um, with an exaggerated American accent. He comes nosing around trying to get Raymond to sign a contract to air only American films from, um, from the studio he works for. Raymond is reluctant to sign, but he is in really deep debt for his film, despite Miss Fisher's investment. Jefferson is getting frustrated with him, so he decides to sabotage the film, works with Lily, the leading actress, to sabotage things, make Raymond desperate for funding and help from the studio so he'll sign his contract. Um, He gives her barbiturates to drug Donald, um, the main actor, and tank the film. She puts them in his whiskey. He drinks way too much. She thinks he's dead, puts him behind a screen, spears thrown, looks like an accident, but he's dead. The drag marks indicate that it was murder. Um, Jefferson has meanwhile befriended Jamie Allen, an Australian actor who is a stunt double for American film star Vernon Palmer Jr., injured himself, had to head home. Jefferson convinces Jamie to pretend to be Vernon and step in when Donald is killed. Um, He then tries to pay Jamie off to throw the role and ruin the film. Jamie actually wants to be an actor, so he refuses the payoff. Jefferson then turns back to Lily to continue the sabotage by shorting the lights, delaying the filming. Um, however, Lily, having already killed one person, is all in on the murder thing, <laughs> swaps the prop <laughs> knife with the real one to kill Jamie because she's jealous. I don't really understand the motive for this murder, but she's jealous because she thinks Jefferson is, yeah, I don't know, helping Jamie more than her. This fails. It kills the director instead. <laughs> um, and apparently she thought killing Jamie would get him out of the way so she could be Jefferson's rising star. So then she turns on Jefferson, uh, somehow ties him up in a roll of film and chains, and prepares to commit murder number three before she is foiled. Uh, Raymond is not complicit, but is whiny. That's how I ended my murder recap. <laughs> uh, yeah, indeed, quite whiny. Also very unobservant. And I mean, you can't just get away with drugging someone. Like, how was he not arrested for that? I don't know. I guess it was the 20s. Yeah. I... Anyways, that's that episode. <laughs> Who did you have for best week? Um, I think I actually forgot to answer this question somehow. Um, <laughs> best week, I'm going to have to go with, um, I think Dot, because she comes up with a lot of really mm-hmm. good clues. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she basically, I don't think they would have solved the murder without her. Yeah. Which might be true every week, but. If it weren't for her paging through old magazines and being embarrassed about it and gluing stuff together. That's like usually, like, I hope she puts that as like a bullet points on her resume. Yeah, like. Reading trashy mags, <laughs> memorizing lipstick shades. <laughs> um, I put Friday because, like, she gets to be the director of a film. I don't know. It seems pretty cool. It does seem good, yeah. Um, what about worst week? Um, yeah, probably Bert. Yeah, I had Bert. Although he does get to be, like, a movie star and wear a cool outfit, so, like, he should have just enjoyed it. I more. don't think he thought that was cool, though. Yeah, it wasn't very communist of him to be starring in a film. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> um, best outfit? Lily's purple dress from the party. Oh, I had Franny's dress from the party. It was, like, over the top, but I kind of loved it. It was very sequined. It yeah. was, like, full-on sequins. Yeah. Um, what'd you have for worst outfit? I had all the guard costumes, so including the, the like, muscly guy and Bert and Sass. I just said the costumes in the movie overall were dumb. <laughs> oh, I liked them. Really? I liked Lily's, like, toga that she was okay, wearing. Okay, yeah, that one was okay. But yeah. the, all the male costumes in the movie were really silly. Yeah. 
Um, I had a hard time coming up with a worst outfit because I do, like, I like the outfit that Franny wears for her director, like mm-hmm. her director outfit, but just, you know, because I like the boots and the jacket and everything, but I don't think that that's actually what a director would wear. It looks like she's going riding. Like it she's is, wearing yeah. like riding pants. Like what's that about? Um, so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, murder method. Um, I actually gave it an eight. Um, prop switching, speared, like it's just kind of cool. Yeah, I also, put, I also gave it eight, mostly for the attempted murder at the end where she somehow, ra- I mean, it's impressive. She somehow yeah, wrapped she that guy in film I mean, and what, chains. Not pictured as the 20 minutes of her just pulling <laughs> pulling film off of reels. Just like she's pulling out, like a, she knit half a sweater and needed to unravel it. She's just pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling. And so that part didn't make the final cut. But but I'm sure it was, they filmed that originally. Yeah. And meanwhile, the dude's chained up. He's probably like, don't do this. You don't have to. And she's like, shut up. And it's just pulling, pulling, pulling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also gave it an, an eight for just overall commitment. Like, you know, what, what was the, the quote of the one guy? In for a penny, in for a pound. Like, she's like, oh, accidentally kills this guy. He wasn't actually even dead. And then she just like goes on a killing spree. Yeah. Like, learn to take a pulse, girl. I mean. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, whatever. <laughs> she she went for it. So yeah, I give it an eight. What about new skill? Um, I did say film directing, although like, you know, she didn't actually know how to do it. So it was it was more of an excellent fake it till you make it situation. I think she proved herself to be a good manager though. Like, she did, yeah. She came in, she just sort of like took charge, bought everyone breakfast and mimosas. I don't know. She was like, let's get them liquored up and then they won't notice that I don't know how to use a camera. <laughs> See, I mean, I don't know. You gotta have a, a read of... of of your your people exactly um what about sexual tension negative two <laughs> negative two <laughs> yeah it was like non-existent i gave it a one but i don't know what that was even for yeah i mean i think anything below a five is like basically there's absolutely no sexual tension but um you know i guess you have to give it like at least a one since they look at each other i don't know they look at each other yeah at the end they have a little con- like kind of personal conversation but... their faces never get very close no together. no anyways i think they had to i think they had to cool everyone down <laughs> I didn't need to be cooled down. I know. I didn't want that, but I think they should have paid. We have to pace ourselves, you know? Yeah. <laughs> There's too much excitement earlier in the season. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that's it for this week. Next week, we're doing Death on the Vine, which is one of my favorites. I do like that one. Anytime they're traveling, I like that. Yes. Yeah. Um, I also just love the, like, winery sort of. I don't know. There's a questionable grape stomping scene, but I mean, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, do you think, just a little pre, do you think they have sex in the grape? I think that's what they're, I mean, I think that's what's being indicated. Do you think the grape, they're stomping and it's sort of like foreplay and then they go have sex out? Uh, <laughs> but also that would just ruin your clothes. Oh yeah, you just be- <laughs> Everything about it is gross. I don't want to drink any juice that's been crushed by feet. But then she serves it to Jack at the end of the episode. Oh my gosh. Gross. <laughs> Oh man. Anyways, I really like the episode despite despite the like questionable grape stomping. Yeah. Um, all right. Well that does it. Um and as always, please like and subscribe, leave us a review. Um, we really love hearing from you, so send us your thoughts, your corrections, anything, Twitter, Instagram, and of course our website, everyladyneedsahobby.com. So see you in a couple weeks. Till next time. Doop, doop, doop.